1: Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. I've given up sugar and by default also alcohol for 30 days. And it's part of a larger sort of life experiment I'm doing called My Year of Abstinence, where I'm taking out different things for large periods of time, like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and then checking how they affect different aspects of my life.
2: Hi, and welcome back to Material World, where we're digging into all the stories behind the things you spend your money on. I'm Lindsay Rupp. I write about retail for Bloomberg News.
3: And I'm Jenny Kaplan. I write about all the things you drink and smoke for Bloomberg. This time of year, most of us are constantly feasting on sweet treats,
2: but every time I justify eating just one more holiday cookie to myself, there's a little part of me that feels really bad about my surging sugar intake. More people are trying to cut back on sugar, like Jacqueline
3: Raposo, who you heard at the top of the show. She writes about people who make food and also co-hosts the Love Bites podcast on Heritage Radio Network. She's giving up sugar for the entire month of November.
1: When figuring out what sugar meant, I was like, I either could go way extreme and take everything out, including, you know, dairy, because lactose breaks down into sugar in your body, and I could take out corn, and I could take out potato, and I could take out all starches, because those all break down into sugar, and I was like, what I took myself off of were obvious sugars, so processed sugar, sugar substitutes, fructose, corn syrup, any type of, you know, stevia or anything like that, and then Fruits that are cooked, so anything where like you're breaking down and concentrating the sugar. Fruits that have high levels of sugar in them, so grapes and bananas. For me also, I know like triggering fruits are like frozen mango. Like I will eat an entire bag of frozen mango and then throw unhealthy things on top of that or just eat more than I should or frozen blueberries or anything I know that is an emotionally connected sort of form of sugar as well. And then with alcohol, because I know that alcohol does, no matter the kind of alcohol, it does break down into sugar and sort of causes the same effect. I just took all alcohol out. So those were sort of the rules that I made for me. So I can still have raw apples. I can have a couple, a little bit of raw fruit, but like I can't cook it down to concentrate the sugar. And I can't, you know, have fruit juice in something to make it sweet, just to give myself clear parameters for what I can and cannot have. She isn't alone. In a Reuters-Ipsos poll in January,
3: 58% of participants said they tried to limit sugar in their diets during the previous 30 days.
1: More people said they were trying to cut sugar than calories, sodium, fat, cholesterol, or carbs. Sugar is everywhere. It's in everything. And it's in and chefs use it. I cannot go to a restaurant and say you cannot have sugar in anything you serve me. That's just obnoxious. I can't do it. Because sugar is in everything, even the health foods that are out there, if you want something sweet, they're going to have, even in the most natural forms of sugar, they're going to be too high on the glycemic scale for a lot of people. So, if you want something in a package that you can grab, it's easier to find a product with fewer ingredients that are therefore safe because you're taking away things that you could be allergic to. And if you have sugar issues, the sugar level is going to be lower that's going to be satisfying, it's going to be more on the salty side. So it's a lot easier to find something like, you know, a beef jerky or a chip or a corn chip or a potato chip That's I can grab and I know the brands that are out there and I order the same ones all the time and they come with me and they make me happy and then I've eaten food and the day goes on. Sugar, sugar, sweet thing, can kiss
3: It's particularly hard to cut out sugar because, like Jacqueline's learned, it's everywhere. Americans ate about 129 grams of sugar per person each day in 2015, according to data from Euromonitor International. That's the equivalent of about three cans of Coke, five Snicker bars, or 28 Oreos. The World Health Organization recommends a little more than a third of that amount.
2: There are naturally occurring sugars in all kinds of healthy things, too, like fruits and vegetables. But food and drinks with lots of added sugar are linked to the obesity epidemic in the U.S. and the rise of type 2 diabetes.
3: Big food and big soda companies have relied for a long time on the delicious combinations of three ingredients to woo consumers, sugar, salt, and fat. Combining those three things creates the delicious, addictive snacks that we all experience.
4: I think there are kind of two things going on. One is the extraordinary science that the companies use to kind of perfect the perfect amounts of, 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 of these ingredients in their products?
2: That's Michael Moss, a journalist and author of Sugar, Salt, Fat How the Food Giants Hooked Us.
5: They have
4: scientists and consultants on their staff who who you know do the hard work of formulating and testing the products. To make sure there's the perfect amount of sweetness they coined the term the bliss point to describe that um salt to them um, is described as the flavor burst um because it's typically that first thing on the outer part of a snack that hits your saliva and goes right to the reward center of the brain that sends back that signal of pleasure um these products are engineered to do all kinds of marvelous things one of my one of my favorite expressions that the industry uses is the vanishing caloric density. And that's the science of when you put a cheese puff in your mouth and press it against the roof of your mouth with your tongue, and it kind of melts and seemingly disappears. They figured out that that phenomena sends a signal to the brain that the calories in that cheese puff have disappeared as well. And so you might as well eat the whole bag because it's not going to make any health difference. They've marched around the grocery store adding sugar to things that didn't used to be sweet before. So bread now has added sugar and engineered bliss point for sweetness. Some yogurts can still have almost as much sugar per serving as ice cream. Pasta sauces, I like to say, you know, half a half cup serving, tiny, can have the equivalent of a couple of Oreo cookies with a with sweetness. And, and what that tends to do is 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 tell us, um, or rather, you know, give us this expectation that everything should be sweet. And so it makes it really difficult to go over that tiny part of the store where all nutritionists say we should be spending more time, um, and that's the produce section.
2: For a lot of people, food is emotional. Oprah has talked pretty openly about that, and for Jacqueline, there's an emotional connection to sugar, too. The most obvious
1: difficulty has been with dating, because I'm single, and I my radio show is largely about dating and relationships. And so I have to be dating a lot sort of for it and for myself. And so I was with someone that ended while this happened. And so like being around him was fine, but it would be weird for him to be drinking and me not drinking and us sort of trying to have conversations and emotionally and physically connect. And then he ended things with me. And so then I was going through a guy ending things with me and not having alcohol to sort of help with that. And then I'm seeing other people. And so like, you know, like after the show today, I'm going out on a date with someone and he wants to have drinks. I'm like, well, I can't drink. So we're still going to a bar where I'll probably be drinking soda water and he'll be drinking because I still don't want other people to stop drinking. The whole point is to go about my life. But when you're dating, like alcohol helps you take that buffer off. And I like that buffer. <laughs> like I like that I like that, you know, those walls coming down. And so that's definitely uh, awkward. And then the other aspect of the socialization is, do I just not go out with people comparatively, which sometimes I just don't? Well, I mean, I'm angry when I can't eat the sugar. <laughs> I'm very angry when I can't when I really I mean, several things have made me really, 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 really want to take out the brownies that are in my freezer. So it might not be a physical connection to the sugar itself, but I definitely have an emotional connection to sugar that I never recognized was as dark as it is now. I have a deep dark emotional connection to sugar that I don't want to say this because I don't want to add this to the list for the year that I don't think I have to salty fatty foods compared I know you're looking at me like I'm a, I don't want I'm not taking out salty fatty foods for 30 days the sugar is the one thing I'm doing but I feel like my connection to sugar which is why I chose this one comparatively is much deeper emotionally than I expected We talked with Marion Nessel, professor of nutrition, food studies,
3: and public health at New York University to find out why people feel so strongly about sugar and what companies who rely on unhealthy ingredients are doing now that consumers are paying more attention.
5: Everybody likes the taste of sugar. It's one of those tastes that's inborn um, because there's sugar in milk and that's what encourages babies to eat. They like the taste of it. They want to suckle. It's very, very important from an evolutionary perspective. And very few foods contain sugars naturally. Vegetables do. um, Fruits do. Honey does. But concentrated sugar didn't really become possible until people learned how to grow sugar cane. And we had global transportation mechanisms for getting it. And it's one thing to have sugar in fruit. It's quite another to have sugars in a soft drink where you're taking in the equivalent of 10 teaspoons of sugar every time you have a 12 ounce soft drink.
2: Is it possible for these companies to make snack foods that are better for you in terms of lower sugar or lower salt or lower fat that still taste
5: good? Well, you can judge that for yourself. Every company that I know of, every big company, is trying to reduce the amount of sugar and trying to reduce the amount of salt in its products, and the products are selling. So, you know, one of the things that's interesting about salt and sugar, for that matter, is that if you get used to a lower level of salt and sugar in your food, the food starts to taste salty and too sweet if it contains the amount that you used to be able to. To tolerate. So what that means is that if everybody reduced the amount of sugar and salt in the products they were making, people would be able to tolerate them a lot better and wouldn't even notice the difference. So what these companies are doing is shaving. They're cutting down on the amount of sugar and salt gradually, very, very gradually. So it's too gradual for people to notice and hoping that lots of other companies will do the same thing. These are publicly traded companies. Their job is to sell product. Their job isn't public health. They have stockholders. And if they do anything that reduces profits, the stockholders get very cross and they get in trouble. So to think that food companies are social service agencies is a big mistake. They're not.
2: Since sugar is present in so many foods we eat every day, Cutting it out would radically restrict and alter most people's diets. For Jacqueline, the change has been pretty dramatic. I write from home primarily when I'm not at food events, so like my snacks are, you know,
1: fruit with almond butter, something fatty and salty on it. I love fat, salt and sweet together. My treats are definitely like I have a big thing for Tate's gluten-free brownies that they, with they've got salt on top and they're really good and if you put them in the freezer and cut them up, they're like the best thing in the world. There's a lot of like quick things in my apartment that I can just grab. And the biggest difference now is that because I can't just grab something, I just don't eat. (laughs) And that and I did not expect that, honestly, like between stress and not having the ability to just grab something I've this is not healthy and this is not normal. And it's not something that my mother is going to be very happy about when like I tell her about this, but like I just eat a lot less now. And, And when I do eat, I eat small portions of things that are really satisfyingly salty. I will eat, like, on Monday on my way to my radio show, I hadn't eaten, and it was 2 o'clock, and I knew I was going to crash, so I picked up a bag of Lay's potato chips, and I ate, not the teeny one, like, not, like, the the correct one-portion one, like, the three-portion one or whatever, and between the subway ride to the, to the radio show and the radio show on the way back, I'd eaten the whole thing. Uh, the other night, like, I had it, again, I hadn't eaten all day. I had to go out to a meeting, and I, like, housed an entire plate of french fries, and then like a crudité with a really, really savory hummus that had, you know, all this yummy, and had like fried chickpeas on top and dill, and it was like really concentrated. And so it was all I ate all day, but it was like really satisfying, salty, you know, rich, deep, good, yummy food.
3: Jacqueline's potato chip diet is music to big food companies' ears. In fact, taboo ingredients tend to have a cyclical pattern.
4: Yeah, you can almost sort of look at decades and um, point to them, you know, as being the decade of sugar concern or the decade of fat concern or salt concern. And they, they do kind of go in cycles. I mean, this, this, this latest sort of focus on sugar as the evil one in our diet um, I, struck me as being kind of funny because back in the late 70s, there was a huge push. Um, to get the Federal Trade Commission by its own staff to crack down on advertising to children, especially on Saturday, which was totally dominated by advertising for sugary products. Um, and um, and things were going strong. The FTC was going to come up with some stuff, you know, despite kind of the food industry's pushback. And then there was the election in 1980 and Ronald Reagan came in and that fell by the wayside. But But one of the fascinating things is that the companies themselves had become... So sensitive to the public's concern about sugar that they started taking the word sugar out of the names of their products, and you could you could um, you could see this um, in cereals, especially where they just they dropped the word sugar out of out of I think Frosted Flakes instead of became instead of sugar Frosted Flakes became Frosted Flakes, as I recall, instead sort of on and on like that. So so it's funny the '80s was huge on sugar. And it's huge again now, as as there seems to be a little bit more science pointing to to sugar as being one of the more problematic of the ingredients um, that, that we're overdoing it on.
2: Companies are moving quickly to capitalize on these shifting trends. We brought in our colleague, Craig Giamona, to talk about how big food is approaching these desires. Craig covers packaged food companies, including Hershey, General Mills, and Kellogg.
6: Well, so, you know, the prominent example obviously would be Hershey. You know, the Hershey iconic chocolate company has been around for a century. They sell Reese's and obviously Hershey Kisses. They're, you know, they they make, I think, close to 90% of their revenue selling chocolate in the United States. And uh, not too long ago, there was big news where they bought a tiny beef jerky company based in uh, California wine country called Crave. So that was a, a real clear example of Hershey saying, you know, we're under pressure from selling sugar and we're going to make this dive into protein snacks. So there's, you know, at some point going to be, they haven't really changed the label. So there's not Hershey beef jerky per se. They still call it Crave, but that was a pretty prominent example of a, you know, a sugar company essentially diving into something else. Uh,
2: Is protein snack code word for salty? Like what? You know.
6: Well, that's the interesting thing, you know because I think one of the most fascinating thing that's gone on in the food world of late is this idea that beef jerky and jerky dried meat snacks have become a health food. You know, it's high in protein, which is what people want, and it's low in sugar. So that's sort of where we are in the paradigm right now. It's that uh, people want to avoid carbs slash sugar. They want protein. They want convenient on the go. So there's been this acceptance of beef jerky as health food. I mean, I think, you know, it's ironic to people. It's processed meat. It's, you know, full of salt. It's high in sodium. But for whatever reason, it's getting a pass right now as people mainly focus on carbs slash sugar. And, you know, on the flip side of that, they focus on protein. So here you have this beef jerky craze. I mean, it's really gone nuts the last uh, four or five years.
3: With the change from maybe sugary snacks to salty ones or protein-based food, how long can that last? I mean, do you see – are a lot of companies doing this? Are they trying to incorporate other ingredients people aren't, you know, maybe so hesitant to eat? And is that itself kind of forming a bubble because these ingredient trends tend to be pretty cyclical?
6: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Pepsi, PepsiCo comes to mind. Obviously, um, you know, they sell soda – but they also have this massive Frito-Lay business that's done pretty well. Kellogg also comes to my mind because they obviously in the cereal business, cereal has had a really hard time. People are just not eating cereal like they used to. You know, cereal essentially dominated the American breakfast table for decades, but it's really fallen out of favor. It's too, just mostly because it's too sugary, too processed. So Kellogg in in 2012, I guess maybe saw this coming and paid up a lot of money to buy Pringles from Procter & Gamble. So Kellogg has a portfolio of Salty Snacks. They have Cheez-It. They have Pringles. Those businesses have done really well for them as they've kind of weathered this uh, cereal slump. And the cereal slump, you know, if you listen to General Mills, General Mills and Kellogg, basically the two biggest cereal companies in the U.S., they talk all the time on their quarterly calls about sort of the return to growth for cereal, positive signs. But it's like, you know, the sales will go up for a month and then it's back down. It'll go up for a month and it's back down. So cereal just really is mired in a, in a long slump. And these companies trying to figure out how to handle that general mills you know general mills has a pretty diversified portfolio they have soup they bought a jerky company so they're involved in that and then like i said i think of kellogg with cheese it and pringles those have really been good brands for them as the you know they deal with these cereal struggles so salt is like i said it's used throughout the food system for a lot of different reasons and it's in everything and these food companies now you know there's these fda voluntary guidelines like i said and they're working some have pledged to reduce it a lot of them are saying we'll do it by this you know by 2018 2022 that kind of thing so you are seeing the food companies starting to reduce the amount of salt in the food the big trend the overriding trend that we see is towards kind of like natural you know whole foods that that's the best thing that you can do is eat less eat less chips eat less snacks eat less stuff that is processed i mean the idea of healthy processed food you know i don't think it's black or white i think there's healthier and certainly less sugar less salt would probably do it i mean i think if you talk to a, you know maybe a vegan or someone that only shops at whole Foods, something like that they would tell you that no that you should cut out all processed food and eat vegetables and you know that kind of thing so yeah that's a that's a that's a fair question as to whether that's kind of an oxymoron a healthy processed food but you know i think it's kind of there's a spectrum there like a lot of things
3: For those of us who are trying to change
1: what we eat, will new habits really stick? What I have realized by taking sugar out, even in the last two weeks, are the times that it is just a quick fix, that I go to the freezer to get the brownie because I just want it really quickly, versus the times when it's really worth it. So the past couple days especially, I've been thinking about, like, when are things a Band-Aid And when are they really serving my my bigger purpose as a human being? And so that I'm assuming right now will stick with me, that it's about intention and about motivation. So I assume that there will be more thought to when I eat sugar or drink comparatively, that when I'm in a low place, I'll really think about, like, will having this drink or will reaching for the brownie fix what I'm going through, or do I just have to deal with what's in front of me? Like, Do I have to deal that I'm hurting with somebody making me feel sad, or that a client didn't like the piece that I wrote, and do I just have to face my demons versus will this really just make me feel better to have this drink, and do I
2: deserve to just have the drink to make me feel better? Jacqueline's 30 days are almost over, but the rest of the country has some real battles to face when it comes to sugar. Big Brother is taking notice. You may have been paying attention to other things this election, but new soda taxes passed in San Francisco, Oakland, and Albany, California, in Boulder, Colorado, and in Cook County, Illinois, which contains Chicago. Berkeley, California, and Philadelphia already voted in favor of similar measures.
3: Just a quick disclaimer, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg gave more than $18 million to campaigns in support of tax initiatives in Oakland and San Francisco, according to finance records. Bloomberg is the founder of Bloomberg LP, which is the parent company of Bloomberg News. Even as they fight against new regulations, companies are responding to consumer demands for healthier products. Coca-Cola has increased its offering of smaller package sizes, which it says encourage people to drink less. It's also created new brands and is reformulating existing drinks to cut sugar. PepsiCo's chief executive officer Indra Nooyi talked about how the companies had to change with consumer demands in an interview with David Rubenstein for Bloomberg TV.
4: How does PepsiCo, under your leadership, try to make uh, products like Pepsi-Cola healthier? What is your uh, uh, plan to do that?
5: Products like Pepsi-Cola were invented many, many, many years ago when society was completely different. There was more undernutrition than there was overnutrition. And at that time, people felt that drinking products with that much sugar was all right. Society has changed. And it behooves us to change with society. So what are we doing overall? We are launching more products with Zero or very low sugar. We're taking Pepsi itself and reformulating it for lower and lower sugar levels. And so the idea is to train the consumer to start accepting carbonated soft drinks with lower sugar levels. Now the challenge is, overnight you can't train the consumer to do that. You've got to step them down piece by piece so that when we get to a level which is, you know, like 50 or 60 calories per 8 ounce or 70 calories per 12 ounce, they're comfortable with the product. So that's the journey we're on.
2: And while these initiatives will help, for a lot of people, cutting out sugar just isn't a realistic option. Sugary processed foods are cheap, and many people can't afford or don't have access to the fresh fruit, vegetables, and proteins that would make up a healthier diet.
5: The
3: country's battle against sugar addiction is likely something we're going to be fighting for a long time. But there are signs of hope. If you think about grocery store soda and snack aisles 10 years ago, 5 years ago, even a year ago, they look drastically different. Soda companies are pushing smaller pack sizes and reformulating drinks. And cereal makers are taking out artificial ingredients. As Marion Nestle said, these companies really have to be focused on their bottom lines. So these changes show consumers are really serious about improving their diets.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of Material World. Check out our other episodes at Bloomberg.com, iTunes.com slash Material World, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Jenny M. Kaplan and Lindsay's at LC Rupp. To get the latest from our guests in this show, you can follow Michael Moss on Twitter at Michael Moss C, or Marion Nessel at Marion Nessel. You can also find Craig Giamona
3: at Sitka Writer. For more from Jacqueline, check out her show Love Bites on Heritage Radio Network and check it out on Twitter at Love Bites Radio
2: material world is produced by magnus henrickson and liz smith the head of bloomberg podcasts is alec mccabe we'll be back in two weeks one two
0: three four five six seven eight nine ten you're
3: not supposed to go that high up
0: your industry is unique it faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com.